Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Raptors 2K Podcast. This is episode 17. Can't believe it's been that many episodes already. Brought to you by our friends at Uber Eats. Phil Visu, my man Shane on the left of me. Talk to me, Shane. What's popping with you lately, man? I- I'm feeling pretty good. It's February. is my month, so you know I got to show out a little bit. <laughs> I like that, man. It's, hey, I-, I feel like it's it's been a good month for us, too. Kai's doing his uh, subathon. It's been highly entertaining. Led to a ton of good content. We had a cool thing in Atlanta last weekend. We did AMP night at uh, the Overtime Elite game, nice. and that went off pretty much without a hitch. It was full, which was great. You know, it's a, it's a really cool concept and they're getting a lot of online viewership, but filling that arena on a Saturday night in Atlanta is tough. And we were able to do that. And then some, there was like mobs of people out front trying to get in. So yeah, that was cool. It's always good. Like I, I spent a lot of my time just working on stuff remote. So it's always fun to like get there in person, see the team and, uh, you know, meet some of the partners and whatnot. So I enjoyed that. What about you? What have you been working on? Oh man, I just been uh, just really just been uh, focusing on a lot of NRG stuff. We've been doing a couple things and like uh, having some good showings in like Valorant and Apex and stuff like that. And then for me personally, it's working on some content and chilling. You know, I mean that's really what it's all about right now. I'm sure it's, it's we're getting to that point where it's gonna like the travel is gonna be picking up a lot again too. So I'm just kind of enjoying the home life uh, while I can. But no complaints, man. No complaints. I'm, I'm feeling pretty yeah, good. I, feel that. I will tell you right off the rip, I'm very hungry. I've already queued up my order. Just so we're clear, I've already queued up my order. I haven't placed it yet because I like to keep this on the honor system. You know what I'm saying? Whoever wins, wins. But, yeah, no, nothing's fake here. No, except for my deliveries. <laughs> we, we don't want to break the, the third wall or the fifth wall. Whatever wall it is, we don't want to break it. But yeah. I have ordered Let's see behind the curtain. Bowl. Yes, a poke bowl today. They got a new bowl. It's an eel bowl. Okay? Never, or an unagi for you tryhards, okay? Very good. <laughs> Very hearty and it's very delicious and it's officially on this way. Atta boy. I think we're so you said we're on podcast seventeen and I think that's probably fifteen Pokeballs. I'm a there big was like fan. there was like one or two slip ups where you went something a little less healthy. I am also <laughs> gonna go healthy. Uh I've got a bachelor party in Bahamas coming up in March. Um oh going skiing in Whistler this weekend for my brother's bachelor party. So I'm trying to get in shape. I was literally down in the basement doing like a floor exercise workout right before we got up here. But like even though that means that I'm now hungry and craving fatty foods, I'm gonna go with just a vegan salad. I respect it's a good you, vegan bro. shop. It's the funny thing is, is Brooke tries to get me to order it all the time and I absolutely refuse. It's like when someone tells you, you have to do something healthy, you don't want to do it. But when it's my own decision 100%. to do it, it's just easier to do. So yep. I'm going with vegan today. Shout out Uber Eats and Raptors Uprising. Thank you for lunch. There you go, man. Love to see it for sure. Well, guys, we have a, a really exciting uh, podcast today. As per usual, we bring in a lot of really good guests. Now, I feel like there was some method to the madness for this particular guest who was chosen, just given some of the player shifts that we've seen in the league. Is that fair to say, Shane? Yeah, well, I had to admit, I came off of like a, a gauntlet of calls, went into that floor workout, and then just popped up here. and was like, okay, I'll give myself kind of five minutes to read the notes, and popped on and saw it was Josiah Cohen. So uh, Josiah is the assistant GM of Warriors Gaming, and yep. the connection that you're referring to there is that Kenny was just traded, uh, not initially to Warriors Gaming, but ended up landing on Warriors Gaming. And I personally couldn't be happier. Obviously, you know, I bleed red and black for Raptors Uprising, but uh, I'd say if there is another organization in the league that I would want a guy who I, uh, you know, care as much about as I do Kenny Warriors would be one of those spots and I don't know I'm just excited to see Kenny and Charlie as a backcourt because you know I know it's like maybe a little past prime but that's a backcourt that I think for most of the history of the league you know everyone would have been very excited to see and so uh, I love rooting for the old guys I don't think that you know this game is changing to the extent that we're seeing the turnover in the league. I think sometimes guys just find themselves in a bad situation or on a, a yeah. meta or a build that just doesn't work and then their career is done. And so I am very excited to see if Charlie and Kenny can kind of make that thing happen. But I guess we'll save that conversation for when we get the man Josiah on here. Well, you know what? I am an old head. I'm a fan of the old guards and I'm going to always root for Unintended. him. I, I too am excited <laughs> for the way that's going to shape up. But hey, we've been talking about him. Let's bring him in. Josiah Cohen standing by my guy. How are you doing this wonderful afternoon? 
I'm doing so well. Thanks so much to Shane and Phil, both of you guys, for bringing me on. And thanks to the Raptors and, and Uber Eats for having me. And I guess also thanks to Kenny for uh, for prompting this. And uh, <laughs> we're, we're super excited to have Kenny uh, in the Bay. Awesome. Yeah, well, we often like to start with, like, you know, how people got started. I think, you know, Phil and I are not the most analytical 2K minds. And so this podcast tends to be a little bit more about path to the league or path to careers in gaming, esports, content, etc. And so I'll tell the story of when I met you for the first time. Uh, so Josiah was actually, I don't want to undermine, were you an intern at Sportsnet at the time? Yeah, absolutely. So Josiah was interning at, TSN, at Sportsnet. TSN. Oh, it was a TSN. Okay, okay, okay. Keep TSN, on. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and that's actually a better fit because Bell sponsors the team here. So uh, Josiah was interning at TSN, and uh, was it the media event at the house? There was some. It was very early. Yeah, it might have been the very first unveiling of the, like the reveal, and you were like yeah. first. So yeah, so so we were. It was kind of early. I remember. I remember. I don't remember the specific day it was on, but I remember what happened. So it was early. We were kind of just getting ready, and Josiah just kind of like walked into the house. You know, he was young. Uh, at, you know, at the time, he's definitely uh, you know a veteran now of the league, but but young and looked young, and he kind of walked into the house. And I think some of us thought maybe it was like a neighbor popping in, or we were like, hey, what's going on, man? And he was just hours before everybody. And anyway, introduced himself, and uh, you know that was the first introduction. And, and I will say, I'll give Josiah credit. You know, I think Josiah, you, you and I probably had a couple exchanges, you know, early on coming out of that, where you were like looking for opportunities, you know, offering services like writing services and stuff like that. And that year, I think probably more than any other year, I met more people who were like young and looking for a foot in the door, and you know, bold enough to kind of go out and ask for help, but not actionable enough to actually go and do something and to kind of create a path for themselves. And, you know, I've said this before to others and probably to you, you were the epitome of like, you didn't really have anything going for yourself. You didn't have a name, you didn't have any traction or recognition, but like you saw an opportunity, you knew it was early stage. And I think you probably felt that people could come out and just kind of like work their way into relevancy. And that's literally what you did. And, you know, I'll let you tell the story of all the different roles you've had in the league. But at one point you were the official uh, Raptors Uprising writer for us and, uh, you know, did a lot of really cool work in the beginning and then ended up, you know, getting into the Warriors and, you know, now you're the assistant GM there. So I'll turn it over to you. But yeah, I have a very vivid memory. It was a sunny day. You opened the door, the light came in. I'm like, who is this dude? And uh, ever since then, it's been fun watching your career develop in the league. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the kind words. I honestly, knowing the person that I am, I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know why or what prompted me just to walk in and, and start talking to the guys. Um, but I did it and I guess it worked out. Um, but yeah, those were, I feel like such a, an old head as the community calls them now. Um, just having been around the league for so long, I was at the inaugural draft at, at MSG, um, back in 2018. Now I was <clears throat> reporting on the league for operation sports and then intern for, for TSN that summer after my first year of college and, and wrote a column on the 2k league with a kind of a focus on the Raptors, uh, Raptors uprising. Um, and then in the second season of the league, 2019, uh, I covered the league for Dimer, and I was the Raptors feature writer. And, and a huge thanks, obviously, to you, Shane, for uh, giving me that opportunity. And kind of an, an underrated aspect of, of my development uh, personally in the league as a whole comes from you and working with the Raptors that season because you know people kind of knew me early on as, as a Dimer guy, and now maybe it's more of an analytics guy. But I think just I didn't have a sense of the professionalism that would be required to kind of get me where I, I wanted to go and where I didn't even realize I wanted to go in the league. Um, but kind of having the structure that you help, you know, help me work with um, as, as a writer for the Raptors uprising uh, was so critical and such an underrated part of my growth and my, my progress through the league. So um, those were great times. And, and it got me the chance to, to talk to all those guys in 2019 and, and get to know Kenny a little bit better and, and all the other players as well. Um, and from there, after that season, I, I, uh, started working with the Warriors um, and have been with them for four years now, um, which feels really crazy to say, but uh, <laughs> every day I do feel lucky that uh, I've had that opportunity and, and all the opportunities I've had in the 2K League. Well, appreciate the the credit or recognition, but it was, certainly wasn't charity. And, you know, I can say one of the things that I knew we could do for you was tag you uh, in the tweets that went out, you know, written by. But that very quickly went from something we were doing for you and became something we were doing for ourselves because you were just such a reputable writer for you. You were, you know, again, the same way that we were kind of getting recognized for creating the best like video content, I would say, in the league at the time. People just knew like you were writing the most insightful, deep analysis of 
of the league. And so people wanted to read it. And, you know, we're talking about hundreds of clicks, right? Uh, that was just kind of the level of interest generally. I mean, we were probably getting way more clicks on our proprietary writing than, you know, any other individual team would get. Um, but we always tried yeah. to keep it kind of entertaining and league focused. But yeah, I, I would notice the difference, you know, when we would tag, a, you know, written by Josiah, it would just perform better than other content because your reputation kind of developed as quickly as it did. So yeah, congrats again on all your success. Yeah, and you're putting out such good content uh, and, and lining up good interviews that that it made sense. It was it was a great collaboration, and we had the wrap up as well, um, which I think also right. was was a very effective uh, content initiative and and very enjoyable as well. Yeah, that's a good point to make, actually. So, and we've done this consistently. I would say, like, to people out there who are, I don't know, running their own little esports startup or, you know, trying to, you know, kind of manage a team as a means of developing some experience, you know, one of the things that we really focused on early on was, like, how we could repurpose content in multiple different ways. So, for instance, Josiah would write things for us in longer form articles, which you obviously knew was going to end up being dozens or maybe hundreds of people who actually click through and read, but we could take snippets that were relevant, put them onto graphics, you know, put a photo of the player he was talking about where he was, uh, you know, outlining some sort of achievement or stat line that they had driven and then use that as additional posts that would actually get a lot more traction on social media than like the full written articles would be. Mm. But then also just having those same similar faces and voices representing your brand, you know, knowing that Josiah was representing us in the written content and he had a deep understanding of the team in the league, it made sense to get him onto like the live stream and video content as well and kind of getting those familiar faces out there talking about you to the audience. And you know, that helps. Repetition definitely is like the key to kind of creating a relationship and a brand with the audience. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the chance to work with, with agents as well, uh, with, with whom you've developed a, a further working relationship now. And, and you know, I always, when I'm explaining the, uh, the 2K League to people, which I, I do very often, um, every time I'm asked about what I do, um, I, I always talk about what we do with, with Warriors Gaming. And then usually I, I mention the Raptors uh, or the Knicks uh, as another initiative, but the Raptors... Uh, have always done a great job, and, and it's always exciting um, when there's Warriors Gaming Squad, Raptors Uprising GC matchups or, or just, you know, shared experiences because I think both organizations uh, do, do great things um, in the league and, and for the league as a whole. I don't think anybody's going to disagree with that. I mean, but, like, I mean, obviously it's great to get a synopsis of, like, how it all began for you. But, like, looking current day, right, we were, you know, we were bantering earlier talking about how you've kind of assembled this this new team. So I guess my like main question is like, what was the main reason you decided to acquire Kenny? And what are your like big expectations? Like, do you think this team can go all the way? Or like, I mean, obviously there's 3v3 and 5v5, but like, what are your expectations like going into the season? Because it's right around the corner. Yeah, I, I'm thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to, to have Kenny. I, I can't express that enough. And obviously, you know, Shane, working with Kenny for so long and Kenny being such an integral part of the Raptors, um, he, he can speak further to this since, you know, I've, I've known Kenny since season two in a sense, but obviously I'm only beginning to really develop that relationship with him. But having interviewed him um, several times in season two in, in my capacity as the writer, uh, for Raptors Uprising, but also seeing him at tournaments, seeing him play, and just his his general comportment. Um, you know, we we at, at, in the front office were so high on Kenny, um, and I I knew him to be both a very good player, no matter the the year of the game, and just an extremely good person, and another veteran, and another player who just brings a great two K mind to the team. Um, and, you know, he might be a little older than the average player, but he's just got so much wisdom and so much league experience and still so much talent at the game um, yeah. that it, it was kind of a no-brainer, uh, honestly, to, to try and go out and make the trade uh, with Dukes that we did. You know, he was, he'd, he'd been with the Raptors, obviously, for so long, and then um, the kind of rumblings right before the Dukes trade happened initially that maybe, maybe things were going to, to be shaken up a little bit, um, and then Dukes brought him in. Um, and, and we started to explore possibilities and, and we're thrilled that we did since, you know, already having, you know, been in communication and talking with him and working with him for, for a little time now, um, on top of what we knew already, this just confirms everything. Um, and it's really already been a pleasure and we're very excited for, for what we can do this year with Kenny. Cause I think, you know, he raises our floor and he raises our ceiling on the court in threes and fives. And, and that's not something you can say about every player. So uh, his his experience, his performance, his professionalism, uh, throw out any, any adjective you want, um, and Kenny's got it, and, and we're really excited to have him. 
And is it is it clear cut locked like they're a backcourt duo, Charlie and Kenny? Kenny's so versatile, right? Like I always thought, mm. you know, the time would come, maybe it would lean more towards these young stage guards type thing. And but Kenny could essentially play for as long as he wanted because for all the intangible reasons you just outlined, but also he's just so generally skilled and he's such a good defensive player that like there's a bunch mm-hmm. of different positions he can move into and move out of scoring necessarily. And you know, maybe you can say, hey, we're still figuring it out and we can't reveal that. But uh, you know, is it in your mind, is it kind of a lock? They're going to be a backcourt duo together, him and Charlie? I think, you know, we have so many great options with the team that we have. And, you know, we've also got Mama on that man, you know, who, who won MVP. Oh, you still have Mama too? We still have Mama. So, oh, yeah. that changes everything. I didn't even realize you had Mama. Okay, interesting. Yep, still wow. got Mama. So, Super team. Damn, I'm sleeping. Of... I'm asleep. I'm not tapped in nearly <laughs> enough for this interview. I should have done a little more research. <laughs> wow, Charlie, Mama, and Kenny, that is uh, OG... Goon Squad. Wow. Jeez. Absolutely. Okay, that's interesting. Well, oh, yeah. listen, I love my Raptors. I'll, Raptors will always be the team I root for most, but man, I'm going to be waving that Warriors banner anytime it's you guys <laughs> not versus the Raptors this year. That's an exciting team. I love that roster. Who else? So yeah. anyone else? Is it all newer guys or is there any veterans with the three? Yeah, so we still have uh, Veron Hezzy, who's going to be Yo VC. Right. Um, as <clears throat> we wanted to get Hezzy, so I know I know. before yep. I left, he was one of the guys we were hitting you guys up about trading for. So yep. obviously we thought quite, highly of him. I don't, I don't know the specifics, but... Yeah, and we've also got a, a, another Canadian, and obviously Kenny's not already Canadian at this point, but we, we brought in <laughs> Nay, um, who's, you know, uh, from, from Vancouver area, um, and, you know, has been... Uh, uh, real presence on the three v three scene, especially, um, and, okay. and at the the Scout the North um, tournament that that the Raptors Uprising put on. Um, so you know, C- Canadian in there, an honorary Canadian. Some you know, <laughs> I, I think we we've accrued you know retroactively a, a twenty nineteen or twenty twenty championship with with Kenny and Mama, but uh, obviously we're we're hoping to move forward and, and win one in the present day uh, and win one <laughs> in, in reality. Um, but yeah, it's a really exciting team, and and there's so many different parts. And and Shane, obviously, you know this from from building teams yourself. There's so many parts you try and put together, and so many variables you have to kind of weigh. Um, but oh. just really having having Kenny fall into our lap as well was was honestly, it, it's cliche, but the perfect piece, um, at least a piece that we're we're very excited to have, and a piece that we know is going to fit extremely well with us. So, so this is the cadence in the interview where I'm supposed to pause and let Phil ask a question, but I'm just like this. So I'm going to, you know, take over control here in another question. Yeah. I mean, my take on this has always been that no team plays as good as they do when they're in their like most comfortable setting. So if it's the practice facility or their home apartments or whatever, and yep. if you are the team that can play closest to your practice potential, because you just have ice in your veins, everybody's comfortable, everyone's bought in, everybody's listening to the leader, whoever that may be, you can beat any team regardless of the skill level. You know, I think that, yeah. you know, that, that is the case. And I think, that that's where a team with a roster like yours you know has an upper hand for sure because i mean those guys have been there done that you know for over five years now so that's awesome yeah it's, it's really interesting statement. <laughs> yeah we're one of the more experienced teams in the league and, and the raptors uprising now this year you know bringing in some some really exciting rookies. it's a fresh start it's just an interesting yep. contrast um and you know i looked it up honestly before the show i wanted to see um how many how many times WGS and and, the, and Raptors Uprising had played, and it's not so many. Um, and no. and I'll I'll even admit that the Raptors have, have had the upper hand, um, only because I was coaching in the uh, in the two game <laughs> series that that uh, you guys swept us in the first time around in, in season <laughs> four. But um, no, it's I, I think there's a lot of good parallelism, um, and it, it's going to be a really exciting season as it always is. I- I will. I'm going to do it again. I will never forget playing you guys in Orlando. We had just traded for Jerry before that tournament. You guys were like a top team. We were a struggling team who had just made a big blockbuster trade, and it. And this was our last chance. It was the ticket, I believe. Was mm-hmm. it? Yep. Yep. Yeah. The ticket. And um, so this was our last chance to get into the playoffs, and we came out and looked night and day better with Jerry. It was like an instant improvement. And we played you guys down to the down to the wire, and there was yep. an inbound, and B Smooth got the ball, and he hit the you know midi, and you guys mm-hmm. won that game. But we really, you know, from everybody else's like from a betting perspective, we had no business you know competing with you guys yeah. in that. And that you know there are a couple plays that stand out to me as just being like absolute heartbreakers, but that was one of the biggest ones because it was like one of those opportunities where we had a chance to tell a story about mm-hmm. uh, you know making this trade and instantly changing the team. You know, good GMing. 
And I was always looking for reasons to justify my GM role because I didn't know enough about 2K. So it had to be, you know, proven through results. I wasn't going to wow anyone with my analytical takes on in any content, but um, but it but it was it was like super exciting and then incredibly heartbreaking. And I'll never forget that loss to you guys. That was a tough one. Yeah, and then we went on and, and won that whole tournament. We won the ticket that year. So, you know, a well, that was it. We were looking at the path and yeah. we were like, oh, we just actually beat this other team. I think one of the teams ahead of us we had already beaten in like our first regular Celtics, season game yeah. with Jerry. So we knew we had this path to actually winning the ticket if we could just get by you guys. And it felt like we were in the driver's seat and we just had to like, you know, stop one inbound play and we just, you know, came up a little short. But uh, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, good moments regardless, right? Have those moments for sure, and, yeah. and obviously the the sick trade uh, clearly worked out uh, that that next year as well. So, yeah, the sick trade turned out to be the best one I had done for sure. There you go. It'd be those good moments, even in a win or a loss, that you as long as you remember them. You know, what I'm saying you remember yeah. that so vividly. I I, I totally. appreciate that. Now we we touched on this kind of team, you know, being like a fresh start and stuff like that. So one thing, you know, because I I haven't gotten a chance to like uh, go there in person in a little while. But I know last season you guys played in Indianapolis for like the in-person stuff. And then this year you're switching over to DC. I love the change to DC. I feel like it's more of like a, cause like when I was in the league, it was like, you know, we did it in New York and I love that vibe of New York. I feel like DC is kind of similar to that in, in a way. Um, what are your, like, do you feel like that kind of environment is going to be a little bit better for the team? Cause it didn't feel like a lot of people were too excited to go to Indianapolis. You know, I would talk to Dirk on the regular. He's like, yeah. I'm packing. I'm like, damn, where's the excitement? But, you know, for D.C., it feels like it's kind of elevated again. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, um, I, I, I'm I, really excited for D.C., uh, perhaps in a way that I, I wasn't excited about going to Indianapolis. And I was living in Seattle at the time, um, and there were just no direct flights to Indianapolis, it seemed. So I, I actually used to fly through D.C. to go to Indianapolis. Um, so it's funny that now that I've actually moved to D.C., um, I no longer need those direct flights that would have taken me right here. Uh, but it's really exciting just being in D.C. I, I was actually born in D.C., um, so it's it's nice circle of life moment for me to to come back. But um, the league the league is has is always improving every year, and I think D.C. is the next step in that. It's really exciting to to see what they've got cooking here, um, and I, I think. Um, there, there might be a little more to, to do um, in, in D.C. on the whole, though. In, Indy was great uh, in serving it, its purpose, um, but I personally at least am, am more excited about D.C. And, you know, there, there are a lot of exciting, you know, sports games to go to. I'm, I'm a big hockey guy, so I'm, I'm trying to go to a lot of Capitals games oh, nice. in, a, in a way that I couldn't really go to hockey games in Indianapolis so much. Um, but I think it's really exciting for the league, and every, everything the league's doing this year is, is really exciting, and, and I'm interested to see how it plays out. Yeah, so Josiah is always very well composed and professional, um, but I'll uh, reveal Phil's fifth wall here. Uh, yeah, before this, we came on, and uh, I think there was quite a quite an, a heightened level of excitement about DC versus Indianapolis. You know, no offense to my buddy Cody and all the good people of Indy, but uh, it seems like clearly a step up in terms of like what the city has to offer. I wonder though, is the you know, improved nightlife going to lead to even more like, you know, large group out. Like from your perspective, did the central housing like create more conspiring between teams? Did it affect the trades and trade market and like midseason team Ooh. building or team updating hmm. last Spicy year? Spicy right now. Okay. That's, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I think one year of sample size is probably not quite enough to, uh, to actually, actually answer that question sufficiently. Uh, but I think there are a lot of advantages. There are certainly disadvantages um, in a small sense to to being in central market. You know, maybe you're you're not quite as as isolated. You know, if you're going through a losing streak, um, sometimes you just need to, to bunker down and and focus on your own team. Um, but I think you know there are opportunities, um, and obviously we we always talk about the league as being a copycat league in a sense. And so you know, just the overlap of of two K discussion and just being in a space where esports as a whole are, are kind of in a melting pot and developing. Um, you know, if you see one team doing some enterprising content, then you're like, okay, you know, how can we, how can we do our own authentic version of this? Or, you know, maybe you, you get a chance to kind of bring that where we talked about practice environments, not necessarily aligning with stage environments, you know, being in a space with other teams, um, maybe you have a chance to kind of, raise that practice environment to being a little more stage-like, which can be a real benefit to your actual performance when real stage play mm -hmm. comes around. So I think it's a really interesting question. 
Um, and I think honestly, we still don't know the the full answer. Um, and it'll it'll take more time and experience, especially with the central market itself actually changing year over year. Right? We kind of knew the advantages and disadvantages of Indianapolis, uh, and we're still going to have to learn the advantages and disadvantages of DC and how those compare to Indianapolis. So that's an excellent question, um, and it'll be it'll be interesting and and I think clear cut in finding out as as the season progresses. Did any of those advantages and disadvantages you just referenced refer to like, you know, some of the anomalies we used to have where like certain gaming stations would just like play differently and stuff? Is Are you referring to things like that in the studio? Like, is that still, does that stuff still happen? No, that's kind of smoothed out um, with, with the league being on PS5 now um, and, you know, kind of just right. having more of, more of their experience. And you remember when games used to reset uh, in the studio in season two and, and they yep. had the ability to go back and, and get back to the exact scenario. Uh, so that's back. Um, thankfully. Oh, good. Is, which match, a, match a medic. I think win. we generally refer to that as. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's, that's a huge win, and and they're, they're they've been smoothing that sort of thing out. Um, if they got the the back end stats and the reset games to to be perfect, even even with the reset, then I would be. But I'd still be being powered on PS5. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay, so they're able to do so, match medic on PS5. That's cool. Yeah. So that that's that's huge. That that's a big yeah. big relief, and honestly. Um, season season three, right? Twenty twenty. There were so many reset games, just with the instability of the oh. entire situation with COVID and, and playing from home for everything. Uh, and those went down drastically in twenty twenty one, and and continued to go down um, statistically in twenty twenty. So, none none of those uh, problems, uh, which is excellent. Huge dub. Love to hear that. So I know, like another change is, isn't it like three v three goes first and then five v five? Is that correct? Okay. Yeah. yeah you, mentioned, uh, you mentioned you like a lot of the changes that they made this year. Does that uh, yeah. you align with that thinking, Josiah? Yeah. Again, it, it remains to be seen. Um, you know, I might feel one way right now, and I do feel one way right now, and that might change based on on how we perform. I think last year was kind of tricky and going back and forth between the two game modes. You'd you'd have a, a tournament of five v five, and then a tournament of three v three, and then you'd be right back to five v five. And if you made a deep run in either tournament, that would just cut down on your practice time for the next mode. Um, mm-hmm. So I think this is. This is this is a good thing to to try. Obviously, it'll because I'm a I'm a five v five guy at heart, so it'll be kind of unfortunate not to see it uh, for the first couple months of the season. Um, even though teams are, are still going to be practicing it and whatnot, but I think just the ability to kind of lock in fully on a particular game mode, um, and you know, let's say let's say you suffered a heartbreaking loss in in five v five, you know, one of those buzzer beaters, um, then you just have to try and bounce back um, and focus on three v three, which which could be tricky. Um, so now it's more so you've got the full flow of the season. It's just condensed and, and split into two parts. So I think it's a good move. Um, I'm interested to see how it plays out. Um, you know, if, if a team struggles in 3v3, will that still uh, have ramifications for their 5v5? It remains to be seen. Um, but it, it's worth the try. Uh, and I'm, ex- I'm frankly just excited uh, to get it started since we, we weren't the best 3v3 team last year. And, and this year, I think we've taking some good steps to be better. So I'm excited yeah, I was gonna to see say, how both modes play out. What, what mode do you guys feel like you'll do? Do you feel like the team will do better in overall? Do you have like a, like a, a pick on that or? Uh, obviously I, I'm going to sit here and tell you that I think we're, we're going to be pretty solid in, in both modes. Um, sure. But I think, you know, we, we've always been strong in five V five for the, for the past four years, you know, we've, we've been um, playoff contenders in five V five. And three V three last year was a real learning learning curve uh, and we had to make some serious adjustments both as players and and as a team as a whole you know in in terms of our preparation and how we thought about the game and how we thought about the league um so i think we're going to be much improved in in 3v3 obviously you know adding nay um who's got a lot of accolades already in 3v3 he's going to help but i think everyone uh from the top to bottom from from rustin the gm you know down through the entire organization um we're even more locked in on, on 3v3 this year so I think we're going to be improved in that, and obviously we're we're always looking to uh, do do even better in five v five and finally get over the hump. So I, I like to think we'll be good in both, um, and you never really know until the season starts. But uh, I think the pieces are there. This may be overthinking it entirely, but one thing that just dawned on me with this starting the season three v three and having rosters of five players. So I mean, you learn a lot about the people who you drafted in the beginning of the season, right? And it, you know, I, I have found. You know, even when you feel like you've done a, an exhaustive interview process, like sometimes you just really don't know what you're getting in terms of a, a personality, you know, how ready they are to be a professional and to follow a schedule and all that kind of stuff. And I think, you know, 
I certainly use the six person rosters, six player rosters to my advantage all the time, you know, and being able to move someone out of the starting lineup was always, you know, a key tool to kind of help control, you know, behaviors that needed to be controlled, right? Or, or problems that needed to yep. be worked out. So I wonder if having this, you know, go first means that that gives, you know, GMs and coaches a, a little bit more of that kind of control. Like, hey, misbehave, don't fall in line, you know, don't show up on time, etc. You might just be out of the 3v3 lineup. And then that helps give you a little bit of a window to kind of manage all those egos and get everybody marching in the same direction, you know, by the time 5v5 rolls around. Yeah, that's a great point. That Phil, that's why that's why we pay Shane the big bucks, right? And that's why that's why he's it, as long as we consider Shane the coach for for 2020, then he's the most successful coach in in league history. And this is why. That's that's, that's a great point. Um and I was yeah, the assistant coach. Bell 5 was really the the head coach. <laughs> no, no, take the accolades. Take the accolade. Um yeah, yeah no, it's really banners, banners hang forever think, they say, right? Indeed they do. Um, and I, I obviously, I, I wish that there were still the sixth player on the roster, but it is what it is. But that's a really good point. And I think uh, especially as, you know, everyone in the league kind of realizes the import of 3v3 and, you know, simply simply said how much money there is to be made in it, um, then that's the sort of thing that could certainly have an effect um, on your on your locker room and, and on your team building process. So. That's a really good point, um, and I think you're right. I think it, it will have an effect, uh, especially in the early months of the season where you know, you're know you kind of figuring things out and the guys are figuring each other out, and you kind of see where the chemistry is and, and where the holes are. Hey, we're back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Raptors Uprising podcast. Phil has a question. I do indeed. So, like, obviously we've talked about a lot of, like, your current duties, right, and, and you know, being an assistant GM, like, obviously something that's very time-consuming requires a lot of this effort all around, right? But for you, like, I know that you did, like, a lot of writing. We touched on that, too. Like, is your passion for that, like, still there? Do you ever find yourselves with, like, still having any uh, time to get anything out in that content realm, or is it, like, all just focused on team aspects now? Phil, that's a tremendous question, um, and it's one I ask myself very often. Um, <laughs> I, I definitely still love writing, and, and I honestly, I, I wish I did more of it. Um, it's difficult to do it in sort of a 2K league capacity since, you know, it would be uh, WGS focused and, and um, you couldn't, you couldn't really uh, expand on, on other aspects of the league as, as much as perhaps I used to um, in my writing. Um, but I definitely love doing it and I love to um, do it outside of the league and, and write about other sports and other things. And, you know, I've kind of made some, I've, I've kind of, added, you know, making graphs and whatnot as, as sort of a quicker form version of, of content, um, yeah. even though I don't put out so many of those now and obviously not not so many 2K League ones. Um, but that's a tre tremendous question. And I do miss writing in a sense. And, you know, I, I, I really hope that uh, as soon as possible, the league gets to a point where it's big enough to where writing about the league is a common phenomenon and where, you know, people who write about the league can sustain themselves uh, solely by writing about the league. Um, since, you know, it's very much still a startup and it's still very much growing. Um, and, you know, for example, there, there's no ESPN NBA 2K league beat writer. Um, and I think that would be a tremendous uh, milestone for the league. If we get to the point where there is uh, an ESPN NBA 2K league beat writer or TSN uh, NBA 2K league reporter. Um, yeah. I'm, I don't know. Maybe depending on how soon that is, uh, maybe maybe I'd have to think about uh, picking up my old keyboard, as it were, um, and keyboard. Yeah, keyboard and and writing <laughs> and writing about the league again uh, in a in a more full time capacity. But it was perfect while I was in college. While I was writing so much, you know, I was writing papers for every other class. It was it was a great thing to do, and I had to do a little less editing for the uh, for the two K league stuff than my school papers. So it worked out. Skills were sharp, and and like my old CEO once said to me, if you want something done, give it to someone who's busy, and you've definitely proved that when you were in school. So, and I remember what I was going to say. It wasn't even a question; it was more of a comment. You had said, you know, you miss having the six players. I mean, I think uh, we at times, without knowing statistically, would sort of comment on the fact in interviews and stuff that when we were trialing different things, that I think we probably tried the most. We probably used our sixth player the most out of any team in the league, and I don't necessarily think that that's a good statistic. I think it means that you know we had some problems with our team with our roster construction and ended up having to adapt as we went along um but we definitely did and i think you know i miss it too because i think it created opportunities for people in the community to continue to be involved in the 2k league who otherwise wouldn't who 
bring things to the table outside of just being like one of the top 20 something most skilled at that particular position. Right. And I think the six player created an interesting role and dynamic. And I understand for financial reasons, kind of why they moved away from it. And in a lot of cases, you know, just moving around team of five versus a team of six, it changes things from like a travel and logistics perspective as well. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I also do miss having that sixth player. I mean, that was a tool that we used all the time. And most importantly, again, for just like controlling those things that you need to control, like the threat of being benched. And it's not, doesn't have to go through like a whole process of moving someone like literally out of market and bringing in someone from a league bench. Like all of that is very convoluted. And I think, you know, the league has always struggled with, I think the quick path that people take to get here right you know in traditional sports it's like a decade of development you learn how to be coached you learn how to be on a team you learn how to put others ahead of yourself because it's going to ultimately benefit the team in the long run and uh, i think the 2k league really struggles with that a lot always did you know for us and i think we prided ourselves in you know running a type of fair ship so we had players kind of fall in line but also understand that we were doing it for good reason not because of bias or you know being you know particularly targeting any particular player um but it definitely was a lot yeah. easier when we had that six player. Yeah, and you guys made made tremendous use of of that six player, obviously in, in 2020. Um, but I think you know if you look back yeah. at 2021, which is the last year that six players were in the league, you know, 22 out of 24 teams played their six player, um, right. and the two that didn't were Daw Six and Maddie, um, both of whom are are you know still in the league and, and highly respected at their positions, and were frankly vital I, I can you know that being the year that I did a little bit of interim coaching I, I can speak so highly um, about Maddie and, and how important he was even though he didn't you know play a, an official game for us you know he was critical uh, his presence was critical um, in you know kind of helping us balance out that season when, when we had three rookies on the roster so uh, it's unfortunate as, as you said you know there, there are reasons for it certainly um, but it, it just it adds a different variable and, and adds a little complexity to uh, uh, an already complex bit of team building and roster construction. For sure, somebody, I agree. If somebody gets sick, though, man, you want to have somebody to sub in. I, I don't I don't like that. I, I've, I've said it on the last one. I'll say it again. I don't like getting rid of the six, man. I, I'm sure there are reasons and stuff like that. I understand. I'm not in those meetings. I, I think it's okay? all but financial, me, honestly. Yeah. I, I like the six minutes. I think it's just all financial. Like, I think it's just it's an, a whole added cost. You know, as Josiah said, like, you know, the league is still in its infancy. And I, and I think, you know, to be yeah. honest – you would like to see it be even further ahead from an audience perspective than it is right now. But there's also like, this is like the, an exact example of like the tortoise and the hare in my mind. Right. I think the 2k league has all these tailwinds going for it that are going to allow it to sustain itself long enough to the point where we get through like a full generation of esports fandom. And that's when I think, you know, the titles that have survived that long will just be established, you know, um, institutions and, you know, will be kind of untouchable at that point. I think right now, even though you don't have, you know, the largest organic audience, there's so many ways that brands want to activate, you know, through the parent brand, but to target a younger audience. And gaming is such an easy, interactive, low-cost way of doing, you know, experiential marketing, content-based marketing, et cetera, that it just makes a ton of sense. And, you know, I think, we've talked about it on this podcast and anyone who follows the league knows there's like this, what we used to refer to as like the third rail in the 2k league, which was like a clear distinction between what NBA teams, players, et cetera, can do to promote 2k league teams because of the CBA. Right. And the CBA was negotiated prior to the development of the 2k league. Um, But, you know, as those walls come down and I think as like the threat of the 2k league cannibalizing the NBA really you know, has, has kind of subsided to probably nothing internally because they realize these are two very different things at two very different stages of development. Uh, I think the 2k league is going to really benefit from those walls coming down because again, it's all about how do we get brands to fund the creation of cool campaigns, interactive experiences, great content, etc. That's what's going to grow the audience. It's not necessarily yeah. just trying to growth hack Twitch viewership. Right. And at the same time, I think there are some Twitch hack, some Twitch viewership growth hacks that should be employed. I think, you know, rather than focusing on like the esports carousel on the homepage, we should be focusing on people who actually stream to thousands of, of 2K players today and try to get them aligned. You know, selfishly, AMP, I think, is a great vehicle through which we can, you know, do that. And, um, you know, 
we'll continue to kind of explore those opportunities. Obviously, I have great relationships with everybody at the league still. And so, you know, we'll see. Maybe something will happen on that front later on down the line. However, producer Johnny has put together a great question here uh, in the doc. And I think we might be able to hang on this for a minute or two or a couple questions, a couple responses. But let's throw it to you first, Josiah. If you were the 2K League commissioner for a day, I guess, other than adding back the sixth player, what is one thing that you would change in the league? And don't even limit it to uh, one thing. What would you change if you were suddenly the 2K League commissioner? If you were suddenly BD? Yeah, I shouldn't. I guess I shouldn't have tipped my hand there on the on the sixth player front. But no, that's obviously it's a, a fantastic question, and there are so many things. You know, BD does a great job, um, and there are always so many so many improvements that are either already in the works or or could be could be in the works soon. Um, I th- I think I have a couple different ones. My first one is very basic. Um, and, and that would be um, a more interactive website um, because you know I, I used to re- report on the league, obviously, and so I know that if you search the NBA 2K League up on Google, your your first hit is the website. Um, and I think that with a lot of the great content that's being done by teams and that's being done by the league, um, sort of bolstering the website and retaining first-time visitors to the website is of critical importance since that's the first and best resource online to learn about the league. And so I think uh, boosting that and you know fully fleshing that out, um, that would be step one. That while while I guess we're working on the bigger stuff, um, in in terms of other bigger changes, I mean obviously the league has done a really good job expanding. Um, I, I wish we had more international players in the league and, and more international teams in the league. And, and obviously this year, NBL, um, the Australian Basketball League, they've got a team in the league, which is fantastic. And, and their point guard is, is an Australian player. Um, so developing initiatives like that um, would be tremendous. And you know, continuing to kind of work on that third rail, as you already touched on, Shane, um, with NBA crossover and NBA player crossover. I would love to be able to, you know, just hear about the 2K League in NBA broadcasts. You know, if you're watching an NBA game, uh, and obviously I, the, the commissioner doesn't have a magic wand to, to wave and be able to make this happen, um, but but how cool would it be to hear, you know, Mike Breen um, give a give a bang for a 2K League shot, even maybe that beast move shot, um, <laughs> stuff like that. You know, it there there are a lot of there are a lot of small things. Um, but the league's really done a lot of great things and continues to do a lot of great things and, and gives a lot of people great opportunities. So it's a great question. And I, I honestly sometimes, you know, being in the league for so long um, and really being on the inside, both in terms of, you know, looking for, for news scraps early on and, you know, now being fully on the inside as someone who works for a team, you kind of like hear about all the ins and outs of the league and you, and you know what's going on so much. Um, that sometimes it's tough to take a step back and say, wow, all right, you know, we started here in, in season one back in 2018 and, and here are the big developments that have happened since then. So um, there are a lot of small things I would change in terms of big things. I think uh, the league's on a really good path um, and I think we'll continue to be on a really good path um, with with the things that they're, that are in the works that are happening this year. Um, and hopefully as as they maintain their relationships with the, the OGs of the league who who go on to uh, bigger and and better things as well with I don't know random random acronym companies um, <laughs> starting with A etc and keeping keeping in touch with the old guard and the old commentators. I mean Mike Breen saying bang on commentary uh, is is not the same unless Phil is there backing it up with with some. Ah. And that would that would be a two K league <laughs> reunion. I, I could really uh, I could really go for. For sure. What about you, Phil? Any thoughts on what you would do? You know what? Um, honestly, I think for me, and this is always something I just thought was just like naturally done, but obviously I understand like there's rules in place that have to be, you know, revisited and reworked. But yeah, I mean, cross-pollination would be so, you know, so cool. Like the one thing I always hated about like uh, season one and two, and I don't know if it's still a thing, but like we weren't really supposed to reference current day players, like when comparing anybody or something like that. Um, which was funny because I remember like Hood had this whole piece about how he's the two K LeBron at one point. You know what I'm saying? So Dude, I was remember that. that was, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Sports Center. Yep. That was crazy. Yep. That was like the yep. like yep. Hood came in and lit the two K league on fire for like two months. 
Yeah, it was crazy, anyway. right? But but I always thought that was really good. Like it was just like random cross pollination yeah. exposure, and um, if that becomes something that could be more consistent, I really think that could be really strong, and it could maybe entice more, you know, official NBA teams to get you know more so involved because like, oh, we can use these means of I actually, you know, what I'm saying showing and exposing people, our fan base. Yeah. And just it just generates more it just generates more excitement, more eyes on the league. And I just think it, it helps it continue to snowball because I do think there's just so much opportunity there. We just have to be able to like take, you know, full advantage of it. But of course I'm not qualified for any of these actual <laughs> decisions. That's just my thoughts off the top. Uh, you're plenty qualified. You've been around the block a million times. You've seen people come and go and succeed and fail. I know you know what's going on in the space. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think for me, there's the two big ones. And, and it's funny, um, Sumit listens to a lot of these, so maybe he'll listen to this one. And I think he'll probably smile when he hears you talk about the website because, like, you know, enhancing the website's been a big beat for him behind the scenes for years uh, now. And I don't think about the website that way only because for me, it's like I know that the traffic is going to be that little. However, I think that there's, like, the quality of the traffic matters. And so I think with the website, you're probably anticipating whether it's journalists or fans who are actually, you know, self teachers who want to go and really learn what it's about or brands, right? Brands who are evaluating, you know, investing in the space. So I think, you know, in comparison to a social media impression, the quality of the traffic to the website is probably significantly more valuable uh, to the league and whatever opportunities they may be, you know, those people may be pursuing with the league, whether player or brand or whatnot. Um, but to me, I think about like the big levers that are really good and just like scale the audience, right? And I think there's two. Um, one, as we've been talking about forever, is just like a league build or some sort of really integrated path from retail to the draft class. You know what I mean? I think that the the team run tournaments were a good solution for a problematic kind of draft process and combine process. And, you know, it's, you know, brought the path to the NBA 2K league into the modes of the game that people are actually playing on. And it's kind of created some like regional opportunities for brands to activate in the most meaningful ways at the point of the game cycle when there's the most eyeballs and interest on it, right? When people are actually playing the game and, you know, I think I saw some statistics this year from the number of people that sort of went through the integrated path to the 2K League that they did create. But I still think, and I know there's a whole bunch of, you know, business-related reasons that, you know, this needs to be considered when it comes to, like, VC and, you know, how much revenue Take-Two generates from my player and stuff like that. But I still just feel like there is some way to do a you know, paid DLC, you know, or some sort of a path within Pro-Am My Player to get to a point where you unlock an archetype-based, you know, build. And it plays really balanced and it plays like the 2K League. And I think you have like positional space stats and, you know, you have leaderboards and I think you, you know, accomplish, you know, something within that build of the game and that kind of gets you up onto a draft board, right? And now you're in the draft class and now you're eligible. And I think at that point, you probably reinforce that with the regional tournaments run by each of the franchises. I think there's a, probably a world for multiple paths to exist, but I don't know that there's just, there's opportunity there. And um, I would love to Definitely. be on the inside of take two and like, really just put together the strategy of like, what's the world of opportunity? What are the considerations we need to go through? You know, how could this affect revenue? I ultimately think though, if that, if done right, it can be a revenue booster. Like I think that there is ways to, when you put up a, a career opportunity ahead of a bunch of people and it costs the price of a deal, a paid DLC, I mean, there's going to be a lot of people trying to see how good they really are. And I think when it create, when you create a really level playing field, it also benefits from now creating a very understandable measuring stick of like, I am not as good as these guys. And now I want to watch them you know, and I get to play the version of the game that they play and it's exactly tuned the way that they're playing it. And I can see firsthand the difference between the way that they play and the way that I play. Right. So I think that would be a huge one. And then I already alluded to it. And this is honestly not because I'm in the, you know, creator influencer space now, but I just think that, you know, even though 2K streaming is not enormous, there's enough of it that you could create a groundswell. And I'll be honest, going after like the Kai Sinats or the XQCs of the world is very, very expensive, but there's a pre pretty significant fall off in terms of the cost of getting co-streams when you drop from that down to like the levels of the biggest 2K streamers. And so I really think there should be a concerted effort to hire a roster of co-streamers and actually get the 2K league in front of a real 2K audience on a recurring basis, you know, not just like one-off pop-up events. Events, but sustained exposure, I think, is like the number one thing that we need on, on mm. Twitch right now. 
Like so that. those would be the two things I would really look at. And then, yeah, I mean, from a competition yeah. structure perspective, I think like I was on the competition committee, there are always strong opinions I held that I think I would love to dig into. I'm too far removed from it now to know like if this splitting up the 3v3 and the 5v5 makes sense or if it really should be integrated or whatnot. But, um, you know, that would require me getting more in the loop again and, you know, having more clarity on the whole landscape before I could kind of form any opinion. But yeah. yeah, absolutely. And just to just to touch on a couple points you made, I think it, it honestly goes hand in hand with uh, the website uh, issue, which which is kind of symptomatic overall of of just the ability to kind of retain uh, a new viewer. And I think you know, let's say a, a new viewer watches the Two K League broadcast for the first time. Awesome, fantastic. I feel like the job isn't always done when that happens. Um, you know, let, let's have the ability to have that new fan, right, find out more about the league through the website. Let's have the that new fan who who might also be a fan of this 2K streamer um, be able to watch that streamer and watch, you know, league content uh, done by that streamer um, or just kind of have this, you know, these multiple points of entry for for new viewers and not just points of entry but points of retention and points of developing them as fans uh, since it's it's great to build up kind of a an ecosystem and a thought about bringing in new players um but as well i think the more the league can do to grow the sense that all right we don't just need to sell people to watch the league based on all right they have a chance to make the league but also in the sense that they can watch the best 2K players in the world and develop the market for that and develop the appreciation for that. So uh, it's a retention thing, I think, on the whole, um, but you make a lot, a lot of great points, and, and I think uh, the league is, is starting to take steps in that direction. I think the league will continue to take steps in that direction. Yeah, th that's a good point. You mentioned retention. I mean, I think the league has a, a really good product. I think if you're into it, yeah. it's a good, it's a really good product. And all of the teams have stepped up and created better content and you get to know their players. But I hear what you're saying from an onboarding perspective, like even just a simple, like, who are the stars of our league type header? Yep. And you just have like video profiles of like meet Bear, yep. you know, meet Kenny, meet whoever. Uh, I think that that is great to think about. And yeah, that would be a, an awesome. And, and I don't know if you guys just heard that, but my doorbell rang, and that means once again my delivery has beat Phil's delivery. I'm what gonna walk the heck? here and oh, you gotta sir, compete, Phil. Oh, you, you, sir, you delivered it all the way up to my office again. I'm glad my dog didn't bark. That's amazing. Thank you so much. I've got my vegan salad, and I've once Must again won nice, the man. Uber Eats delivery race. I was only six minutes off today. I'm not that disappointed. I see. <laughs> I, I got it on the little maps thing right here, but nah. Obviously, Uber Eats always coming through with the deliveries and, of course, allowing us um, the vehicle to bring you guys some awesome content. Josiah, you've been uh, nothing short of, of one of the most enjoyable guests um, we, we've had. He we says that a lot, but it's up. true. Anytime that, someone it's who, true, it's who's true. articulate and can kind of carry with as much insight as you carry with is uh, always welcomed and appreciated here. Yeah, likewise. Thanks, thanks both so much for having me, Shane. Always, always a, a privilege, really, to to hear your thoughts on the league. And and Phil, it's been too long since we caught up, and I I'm, I was really rooting for your Pokeball to uh, to make it before Shane's. <laughs> yeah, thanks, but man. I'll, I'll, I'll have there. to tune into the next one and, and hope yes. and hope and root for I you am, once again. I am really hoping to make it to the to Central Market this year. I'm hoping there's a reason, a justification to to get there because uh, I missed it last year, and so hopefully we'll uh, we'll cross paths in person again. Absolutely, can't wait. All right, Absolutely. guys. Hey, guys, thank you so much. Uh, this has been another awesome episode of Raptors 2K Podcast. Again, brought to you by our friends at Uber Eats. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. Thank you to our guest Josiah, my main man Shane, the greatest co-host on the planet, and of course you guys for watching. Have a good day, and we'll catch you on the next one.